0: We've all had the experience of being 100% prepared and 100% believing in ourselves and then having no difficulty moving forward. All of us have had that experience, but we've also all had the experience where we're 50% prepared, but we have 0% belief in ourselves and we just don't go anywhere. We just refuse to step forward, even though it's going to cause us embarrassment, shame, judgment from other people, fines, and... I just love that. I think I'm fascinated mostly by how the brain can do these dramatic stories and how we can get ourselves into real trouble, even when we know there's a better way. That we choose procrastination, even though we know better. And I think that's why people shut down their voice when they're procrastinating. They stop communicating. They stop asking for help. They stop showing up because they're still caught and because there's no freedom anymore. There's no internal freedom because they're now locked in a battle with their fear. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes
1: people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you with me today, as always. I've got a great episode for you. You are going to hear from a former student of mine, Dr. Christine Lee, who is an expert Procrastination coach. Anybody relate to that? Do you ever procrastinate? She is dropping some major golden nuggets today in this conversation. Even if you don't procrastinate, you don't want to miss what she has to say. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but very quickly, two notes. If you haven't taken the voice mask quiz, I would love for you to take that and find out what your voice mask is links in the show notes. And I've got another voice experience, my live training that I do on Zoom, Hot Seat Coaching, where I teach you how to create a voice experience for your listeners. Go to CaptivateTheRoom.com forward slash experience to get signed up for that. Coming up in May, very soon. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Christine Lee. She's a clinical psychologist in New York for the past 20 years and has been online as procrastination coach for the past 10 years. She helps people who are struggling with underperforming at work and at home to work smoothly and with high levels of productivity. Her unique coaching process is a blend of mindset strategy, time and emotion management tips and a deep belief in the power we each have when we treat ourselves with love and good self-care. Dr. Lee is the author of the book, 5-Minute Self-Discipline Exercises, Stay Motivated, Cultivate Good Habits, and Achieve Your Goals, and the host of the podcast, Make Time for Success. Follow Dr. Lee to learn how to ditch the guilt, judgment, and self-sabotaging and unhelpful habits so that you can feel focused and fulfilled in your life. And all of Dr. Christine Lee's links are in the show notes. I highly encourage you to follow her. She puts out some great content. And you might not even think of yourself as a procrastinator until you hear from her today. I love and adore this woman. I loved working with her. I love following her and learning from her. And I know you're going to just love her as much as I do once you hear from her today. All right, let's head on over to the show. Christine, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Hi, Tracy. It's so good to see you
0: and thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to talk with you.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I know we were just talking about how fast time flies and trying to get connected to get you on here. I know it's definitely been on my radar for a while to have you come on here and talk to our listeners. I know they're going to get so much from hearing what you have to say. And I want to just start with before I hit record, we were having some great conversation about some things we're going to talk about today. But I always start with tell us what you do. And I know we've got two buckets of things that you do, but tell us, give us the give us the background on what you do, why you do it, how you do it, wh- how you got into it, and then we'll just take off from there. Okay, terrific. Thank you.
0: So when Tracy mentions two buckets, she is referring to the fact that I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been one for about 20 years in New York. And with my therapy clients. I do therapy things. I talk about the past. I talk about current difficulties. And my specialty has been, I would say, around anxiety disorders. So that might involve difficulty with school. That might involve difficulty navigating a relationship or a transition in life. I've also developed an expertise in working with people who have attention deficit disorder that just kind of went hand in hand in some way with the anxiety disorders and with the fact that I tend to work with people who have been in college and graduate school. That's also where I was working. I was working at a major university for more than a decade. So that's where a lot of my interest in procrastination came about. And that's the second bucket. So I am procrastination coach online. And I've been doing that for about 10 years. And that has been a bunch of fun because I myself am a lifelong procrastinator. And I have figured out with the help of many other people and many other resources, how to recover from always relying on the impulse to push things off and to not get things done And to ignore what is right in front of me, because that's what I used to do. That's how I went through graduate school quite painfully, I would say, in terms of putting things off and being overwhelmed and not getting enough sleep. And now I feel like I am in charge of my time. I feel like I'm in charge of my feelings and my mindset and my productivity. And I've seen my productivity really skyrocket because I'm no longer caught in that hamster wheel of procrastination. So those are the two buckets. There is some blurring of the two buckets sometimes, but mostly I keep the therapy, the therapy and the coaching, the coaching. I have different courses. I like to teach about habit formation, about time management and mindset to anyone who will listen. And it's been a pleasure to have this as an expertise because I think behind every procrastinator, there's a very motivated person who just has found themselves stuck. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I think it's because of an emotional reason. And that's why I think my psychology background really helps me get at what is the thing that is tying everything up? What is that missing, mysterious piece that is blocking us from doing the things that we know are? what we should do, what is going to get us the next step, the next bonus, the next relationship, we get ourselves caught in very mysterious, nonsensical ways. And I just want to help people make sense of what they're doing.
1: So good. And I'm, I am furiously writing comments down because there's so many questions and and avenues I want to go with this because I think this is so relatable. I mean, I'm even thinking of myself as I'm listening to you talk. I'm thinking about my 20-year-old son in college as I'm listening to you. And I I didn't realize that you specialized, you had a specialty in the area of a uh, attention deficit disorders and the link there that I'm really, that's been on my radar a lot lately. I noticed Shalene Johnson has come out and is talking about that a lot. I didn't know that was an expert area for you. Tell, tell us more about that.
0: Yes. Shalene has definitely come out more recently with a lot of content about what it's like to have ADHD, mm-hmm. how to thrive with ADHD and how to be a partner of someone with ADHD. And I think she is such a great source of pragmatic information for the rest of us. I would also wanna mention a great podcast on the topic. It's ADHD for Smart Ass Women. Mm. So this is really a podcast that really takes a strengths-based approach to having ADHD, that having ADHD is a diagnosis, but it's also a superpower because of creativity and thinking differently and living differently that we don't have to see that as something that's a disorder. We can look at it as just another way of being and having our brains be wired differently. I think I am probably undiagnosed minor ADHD. And I think that's why I enjoy working with clients who struggle with attentional disorders. And I think there's a real overlap between ADHD and anxiety, because when you're not able to focus reliably or consistently, that's going to generate some anxiety. You're going to think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Oh, I've missed out on something. Oh, I have to work double the time that my classmates do. And that's going to make you feel something emotionally. But really, when you understand that your brain has different strengths and different possibilities, you can start to shift. You can start to shift away from other people's expectations and the standards of
1: other people and find your own gifts. I love that. It's got such a gardener's multiple intelligence feel to it, which is everything I believe, everything I believe in is I don't do, as you know, I don't do cookie cutter. I don't do it's one size fits all. And even with my own son, there's nothing traditional cookie cutter about anything about him. And and I love it and I have fostered that in him because okay, I'm not good in math. Does that mean I got nothing. No, not at all. And so to find those strengths and empower ourselves with that sounds really empowering. Well, I
0: think of you and your gifts of hearing and listening and of sensing. And what if you had missed that somehow, or what if that was not prized somehow that you didn't find a niche for yourself, a way to serve other people with that gift, that would have been a whole other life story if you had not connected with it on such a deep level and treasured it as you do. And it really is such a gift and it is so outstanding. And what if you had turned that into a, oh, this is strange or other people don't have this and you turned that into a more negative Read, and I'm so grateful personally <laughs> that you did not, and that you've made a, a career and a study and a practice around your gift.
1: Well, thank you for saying that, and and this interview is so to spotlight you. But I, but as you were saying that, I was thinking about, and I'm saying this. I, the only reason I'm adding this in is because I, for the listeners, and you may even see this in your own practice. I was constantly told I was not smart because I don't do math. I don't, I I struggled in academia. And I was constantly asked the question, what are you good at? And it was that own inner drive and tenacity and trusting my gut that said, okay, this may be crazy, but I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And I think there's so much value in that, in walking a different path. I didn't have to walk my, my I have business, business people, siblings. They, they got business degrees and they're good at business and they're good at math. And then there's me and I didn't walk that path. That doesn't mean it was a wrong path.
0: No. And I know you're a good businesswoman as well. <laughs> correct. And also, I want to mention that when we're giving messages from people who don't understand our gifts, that there's an emotional wound. And Mm -hmm. that is the very first thing that I learned in graduate school in psychology about learning disabilities is that the learning space is not an emotionally free space, Mm -hmm. that it's actually highly emotional and that learning disabilities is just like a term for different skills and that we were taught, fortunately, to really see the different layers of strengths and the different ways our hearing worked in relation to our visual spatial memory, that it all fits in a big, beautiful picture. But if we lose the whole person, then we're vulnerable to saying, oh, that person doesn't really do well. They must not be smart when really learning disabilities have nothing to do with the person's intelligence. So that's a huge error that many people make. It's a misunderstanding of what a learning difficulty is. It's just a a, a different arrangement of learning skills and approaches. But we all have gifts. I firmly believe that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah, so good. So good. Do you think because you've done this a long time, do you think that attention disorders and anxiety things and uh, learning differences, do you think it was always there and we just weren't as researched in it? Or do you feel like it's or do you know that it's something that we've just that's just started more so in the last 20 years or 30 years
0: I don't know the data on that, so I apologize for not having that. It does seem like there's more attention being paid to Mm. it in a positive way where there are services available, where people are more inclined to be on the lookout for, huh, how do I serve this student or what environmental changes can we make so the student is has an easier time paying attention. You're even hearing of, well, they can stand in the middle of the class for part of the time where they can move around. Mm -hmm. And I think there's more tolerance for that, more flexibility, more actual services. And there are now specialists who can coach in executive function Mm -hmm. and attention, productivity, and just coaches for kids. I think. So I Mm -hmm. have to feel that I think you might need a certain set of resources, but there are resources available for people now. Do I think there were learning differences a long time ago? Yes, I do. Because Mm -hmm. just as there were people who were more gifted in other areas, there were going to be people who lacked math skills or writing skills or listening skills. It just had to be, I think.
1: Yeah. When you were talking about graduate school and around procrastination, it took me immediately back to my first master's degree. And I had the cleanest house I've ever had in my life. I had the sock drawer, organized the sock drawer, and it all came from needing to study for drama theory, which I believed I couldn't do. I believed I wasn't smart enough to do. I believe, you know, I'd had bad experiences to to, to plug in psychology of the voice. I'd had bad experiences with professors that there were voice stories around. But I want to talk about that, that procrastination. That's why I was cleaning my house. Trust me, my house is not that clean now. (laughs) But I was finding ways to avoid, I guess, Yes. I think the thing that you
0: said that stuck out for me the most was that you didn't have the self-belief, even though you also knew something else was true. And I think that's what's so fascinating about each of us. We can have these running negative self-belief stories that we're picking up from our environment, our peers, mentors, adults, our parents, but that we also have some connection to our inner truth and power and true self. So both are at play probably all the time. And the way that's expressed is in procrastination and Mm self-sabotage and sometimes in doing really wonderful things. But a lot of times we get caught in, well, am I good at this or am I not? And rather than test it and experiment and take the risk, we hold ourselves back and we come up with some external reason for why we can't move forward. Like, oh, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough skills. I don't have the right pen, whatever it is in the moment, we can come up with something to fill in that gap, to explain the tension that we're feeling inside of ourselves. We've all had the experience of being 100% prepared and 100% believing in ourselves and then having no difficulty moving forward. All of us have had that experience, but we've also all had the experience where we're 50% prepared, but we have 0% belief in ourselves and we just don't go anywhere. We just refuse to step forward, even though it's going to cause us embarrassment, shame, judgment from other people, fines, this kind of thing. And I just love that. I think I'm fascinated mostly by how the brain can do these dramatic stories and how we can get ourselves into real trouble, even when we know there's a better way, that we choose procrastination, even though we know better. And I think that's why people shut down their voice when they're procrastinating, they stop communicating. They stop asking for help. They stop showing up even literally showing up because they're still caught. And because there's no freedom anymore, there's no internal freedom because they're now locked in a battle with their fear.
1: Well, that's, that's what I wrote down. There's just so much about this that is paralyzing fear and it, and it's, the stuck that you talk about is the worst. And there's got to be some almost self-loathing that comes in that if I sit here and go, why can't I do the hard thing? And for me, it's always the hard things. And that's what gets me into trouble because I'll look at the thing that says something around... I don't know, maybe taxes or or something that is harder for me. And it may, that may not be taxes, but something that's more complex, like anything. And then I look at, well, but there's eight things that I could do really quickly. And I go and I do the really quick things that I know I can accomplish. I know I can do them easily. And so that really is a self-sabotage. And it's really driven around fear, isn't it?
0: It is. And it's also caring for yourself. When we know we can do the lighter things, it's Mm. saying, oh, I'm not completely stuck. It makes us not terrified of things. And I think it's a way of procrastinating that isn't so harmful, but you're right in that it's all about fear. The thing that we're fearing the most tends to be the thing that we're wanting to run from the most. And I have always portrayed myself as someone who works against priority. The moment I know that something's a priority item for me is the moment that I turn to the second thing on the list. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I do.
0: It's just my natural gift is to do the second thing on the list. And it frustrates me sometimes, but it's also something I've come to kind of embrace that this is Mm. just my style. And then I will have to give myself extra nudges, extra, personal rewards to get myself to actually focus on the thing that feels most difficult to me. And of course, there are mindset shifts that we can coach ourselves into to make that priority item more of a fun thing to do or more of a desired thing that we actually want to get closer to rather than run away from. And that's where I think coaching comes into play. Sometimes we need support to get over those emotional hurdles or those barriers. And I know you and I have used coaches throughout the years and there's been a huge payoff because we get to feel freer to act and to be ourselves when we have that kind of support in areas that we feel are harder for us. Oh, for
1: sure. I think and you we were talking about coaches before we before I hit record and how I just, I always have a passel of them. And I don't, I don't know why I wouldn't because there's no negative in it. It's, I think of it like tour guides. I think of coaches like tour guides. I go to a new city. Sure, I could get the map and figure it out. But why would I do that when somebody already knows?
0: (laughs) That's a great image. I've never thought of the tour guide image, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to see the ins and the outs Mm -hmm. and the more fun places when you're with someone who's in the know. And I think coaches just, even before you meet your coach, just the investment that you're putting in of your time, your energy and your funds is already an elevation of your own sense of yourself. So you're already helping yourself by just devoting yourself to your own development and then the coach is just bonus.
1: Right. Right. Well, and we can't see our own blind spots. No. And I don't I don't know it with procrastination if you get some of the same things that I get around voice sometimes where people think, well, it's just it's just my voice. I'm just I can just use it. And I wonder if people get in a mindset of well, I just need to get over it. I just need to get it done when it comes to procrastination, we really, it's bigger than that. There's always, there's a back part to it, which I love like, in okay, you may be talking fast, but I want to talk about why you're talking fast. That's the work that you do. So it's, it becomes permanent.
0: Yes. So I would say the way I work sometimes is to get people to not be so analytical. Because I think sometimes it's the over analysis and the, oh, what does this feel like? And what are the consequences that make us feel like we don't have the wherewithal to just step into action? And so sometimes I'm literally just saying, what can we do next? Is that as easy as that? And I also say you can dump the fear. And that's where people resist because they've been living with dialogues and monologues of fear for years. So it doesn't feel realistic to them to operate as an agent in their own life without some sort of layer of fear talk, of self-loathing, of worry. And I know because I've made that recovery and I don't think I'm that different from other people that we could live with so much less fear and so much more activity and actually have a better time of it. I think we associate fear and worry with responsibility and being concerned and being like a good steward of our bodies. And I actually think now that I'm the age that I'm at and I've been through the life things that I've been through, that when we fill our body space with worry, we're actually doing damage to the creative, machine that we really are. And I know that I learned from you with the voice. We're also basically strangling our voice when we are thinking, how is this going to be received? What am I sounding like when we're just getting outside of ourselves and we're not flowing
1: freely with our natural energy? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it a, a clear cut Line of fears that you see, or like people fear. I fear I'm gonna get in trouble. I fear I'm going to do it wrong. I fear I can't do it. Or is it just every kind of fear imaginable? And then the second part of that question is that that almost hearing you talk about that, it makes me question. Was well, that almost an addiction? Am I almost addicted to fear and and what it? internally does for me. I mean, I know that may sound crazy, but that's what where my mind went. There's a
0: reason, I think. So the first answer to the first question would be that I tend to hear fear as a global thing rather than I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z. And I think I can identify the X, Y, and Z fears, but it tends to be expressed as a generic fear that things are worrisome, that things feel stressful, that things are anxiety provoking, that I can't sleep, right? So you might not be able to sleep, but you might not know why. And it comes up in your nightmares or in your ability to focus. If you can't focus, well, that might have something to do with the worries that are on your mind, taking up that space and yelling for dominance. They want your attention because your body wants you to stay safe. And then I've forgotten the second question.
1: D- this, well, let me see. I may have forgotten it too. <laughs> I was talking about addiction. Ah, Is addiction. it like an addiction almost? I and, and answer that. And then I want to move that into busy because I think we get addicted to these things almost as a block. Yes. These are great questions.
0: And I think many years... Ago, I started talking about procrastination as a type of addiction, because it really functions in the same dynamic paths as a substance abuse, substance addiction. So that is where I mentioned already that the voice starts to shut down, the person becomes more isolated, the person starts to get into things that are accidents, like literal accidents, or fines, or being punished. uh, There starts to be a string of negative consequences that are seen in their life. The person is not able to show up as they might otherwise show up without the substance or without the procrastination. These are all the hallmark symptoms of an addiction where the longer the use goes on, the greater the consequences, the greater, the the negative consequences that appear in that person's life and the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt. No one wants to be a procrastinator just as no one grows up wanting to be an addict. And the difficulty is also the same because it feels like it is so impossible to let go of the usage. And I think that's where I enjoy helping people to lighten up with their perception of what the stressors are so they have a way in, so that they can use their natural skills to cope again. And I think that's the same with addiction recovery. It's really finding the self again, the self that is there, that is always there, even with the substance use. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very powerful healing and we have to heal the self because the self has been injured by the use we feel embarrassed we feel like we shouldn't have we should we feel we should have known better we feel that other people don't do this the way that we have needed to but you also have to understand that you needed to for different reasons maybe you had a trauma history maybe you didn't get the training in time management when you were a young kid i don't believe i had any sense of how to use my time when i was younger and these are just things that happen in a life. You know, it's part of your larger story, but it doesn't have to end with you being saddled with procrastination. You can absolutely break that cycle and have more fun. And then you mentioned the conversation of being busy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been there absolutely so busy, constant to do list, keep checking it off. And that's, can be an addictive process too, where we're not allowing ourselves to rest, to breathe, to take pauses in conversation, as you taught me to do long ago. And then you get other issues, you get exhaustion, you get burnout, you get kind of a depletion of your energy and in your relationships too, because you're focusing too much on things that may not matter <laughs> a few years down the road where your relationships really well, but your work, I don't know. And I think with the recent COVID years that we've had, I think we've all had to explore what am I paying attention to? And does it really deserve this much of my energy? Do I really have to kill myself day in and day out with a commute or with overworking or with over-focusing on my work. And I think that's happening
1: on a really broad level. Mm -hmm. I I agree. I agree. Would you say that you said something in, in all of that, which all of it was so good, but it made me think about in our mind, we're thinking because we live in such a comparison world. And so I'm a procrastinator and I'm looking around and I'm going, well they can run a business, they can they're got it together. And so we do this comparison thing, but in reality there's probably more people struggling with procrastination. We just don't see it.
0: Well, I would say absolutely. I think it's the biggest niche ever. Is procrastination as a niche. <laughs> but I you make me think of when I was your voice student. With a small group of lovely women and one man. Mm-hmm. And these were people who I knew a little bit of, many of the students, and I saw them as very able business owners. And they are, they absolutely are. But I also saw inside your voice program that they were struggling as well with. Their voice, with selling on camera, with saying certain things, and with their own personal stuff. And that all of us were the same in that way that there really isn't someone without issues to work through and to get past and to function in conjunction with, that we have to show up as business owners alongside our anxieties and worries and idiosyncrasies. And I think that was one of the great lessons that I took away from that group was that we're all in here. We're all in here trying to do this personal development work alongside growing our business and becoming the face of our business. And that's a lot of work. It's a a hefty bag to be carrying around, but it's a fun one too. And knowing our voice, what you helped us with, helps so much with carrying ourselves as leaders and as the face of our business and as sellers of services that when you have clarity in your voice, you really have such a powerful tool for everything that you're wanting in life because it's your avenue for connection. It's that way you show up. It's that authenticity that you can now convey because you're not caught up with all the different layers of worry about
1: your voice. Right. Well, and it's like we were talking about that. It is your identity. It is the rep. Your voice is the representative of your soul. Yes. And to shut that down, like what you were saying, it literally shuts people down. they I have this image in my mind of people recoiling into a hiding place and not using their their voice. And it, I was we, you were saying such gorgeous things before we started, you are now, too. but <laughs> before before we started about the mystery of voice. And it's just fascinating to me how it even plays into procrastination. Yes. Yes.
0: You taught me at the very end of our time in coaching together that I speak from my throat. I tend to speak from there rather than from my mouth. And I thought that was fascinating. I knew that was true immediately once you said it, because I oftentimes feel like I'm straining to talk because I have to. Of dig into my throat to get the voice out, and then you gave me some exercises to start speaking from my mouth. And that whole thing enabled me to have an easier time as a podcaster because it was my good luck that I was able to work with Tracy at the start of my podcasting Mm -hmm. journey. And I can only imagine how much more trouble I would have had with the podcast if I hadn't had. Training with you because I would have had all the anxiety show up in my voice. I would have been umming and eyeing all over the place, and I would have been burning out my voice, mm-hmm. I think. So mm-hmm. I think I still do talk from my throat, but I, I'm more aware that it should be coming from another place.
1: See, I don't hear it, and I won't turn this into a coaching session, <laughs> but I think you sound great. I think your sound is, and certainly maybe that is true still to a degree, but not, not where you were. Right. Right. Not where thank you thank were. Thank you. And I, and I think that it's, it's probably just like voice. I think it's just like everything. There's layers of it. Do you see that in, in the techniques and the strategies you use to help, you know, we get it. Okay. We get cooking with gas and then we, you know, we run into something and we have to add in more because we have new layers. Is it, this? Is, does that happen? Absolutely. And I love the layers because you never know
0: what's going to come at you. You never know what you're going to sense about the person. You never know what is in the air around the person, which might be affecting them. The zeitgeist, right, that we're in mm-hmm. right now. And the idiosyncrasies, I think it's really, that's the benefit of a longer term relationship between a coach and a client is that you get the benefit of them really knowing your energy and how you vibe and how you perceive things. And it is a real gift to have an expert know what they're doing, to be paying attention to how you're living and to have the time and space to reflect about how you're doing things. Because Regular day life, everyday life, we don't do this. We don't have that much space and time or the inclination sometimes to reflect. And there are those of us who really get into this stuff and do this nonstop. But I would say a lot of people are caught up in the everyday and have to be because there are a lot of responsibilities. Everyday life is full enough. But if you have a moment and you feel like there's something that is holding you back from living your best life, Working to your potential, speaking with a full, authentic, powerful voice. Take the time and invest in yourself because it will pay you back
1: for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. As you were saying that, it made me think. I wonder if anybody's thinking. Yeah, but I don't have time. <laughs> Somebody is. The is. Somebody which, is, is. <laughs> which is. Which is the problem? I want to jump back to the podcast for a minute. I had the opportunity. I got to be one of your first couple of interviews. I think absolutely got out. I remember that. I loved it. What made you decide? And I love that you said, I just want to acknowledge this because I have had this question so many times when you said you were so glad you worked with me on the front end of that. So many people have said, well, should I wait and get even in coaching? They'll say, well, I'm just starting my coaching business. And I always say, no, if you have the opportunity to s- establish who you really are from the from the go, fantastic. So I'm so glad you feel that way because we worked together before you even launched.
0: Correct, and now you're making me remember that you were actually my first interview. Was you I? Were, you were. You weren't first in the order of them being rolled out. out. Uh But you were the first interview that I conducted. And I remember feeling all the feels because you were also simultaneously my voice coach. (laughs) And and I knew that you were going to kill it as a guest because you have control over your voice. You know how to be yourself. But I didn't know how to be myself at all because I Mm -hmm. hadn't ever done this before. Mm -hmm. And I knew you knew how... I was, whatever baubles I was going to have that you knew what was going to go on. Fortunately, it all went well. It was great. great. Yeah. I think I was very lucky to have you on as one of my first guests and as a coach at that time in my life. And I want to back up what you said, that if you are thinking in the smallest way that you need a coach, jump on that thought. It's your intuition nudging you to take care of yourself at a higher level.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And how many episodes now? You're still going strong
0: with the show? Haven't missed a week and it's been a year and
1: three months. Wow. And it's the procrastination coach? Is that? No, what's the name of it? It's called make time for success. Make time for success. That's right. That's right. Make time for success. Such a good episode. And you have so many great guests as well. Come on the show.
0: Yes, people that you have taught and people who are in the same coaching circles that we frequent and wonderful women and one man. Yeah, <laughs> lots of, yeah. lots of guests on the show. And I found interviewing to be such a pleasure. It's different than being a therapist. I thought it was going to be the mm-hmm. same. And I had a very rude awakening that it is not the same as doing therapy because I have to be very, actively involved in creating the content, actually directing the content. And as a therapist, I'm really just following the client's lead and where their material is taking me. So it is a different role, but I've loved every minute of it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've met so many fascinating people, heard so many new stories about people I thought I knew well. (laughs) So I get to know people even better by being their interviewer. So it's yeah. been a true gift.
1: Yeah, I love my show. I love doing it. And it really, I, I think that's so great what you just said. And I tell my people all the time, it's my job to make you look good. Yeah. And and so many people have said, I, I went on this this podcast and I it didn't go well. And it, no, as the interviewer, I want you to make that person shine. And so it really is, it's you, you have to be all in. And I can see, as you say that, where that is different from therapy, but I think as a therapist, and I hadn't thought about this until we started talking today, you really are a voice coach in a way, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe not exactly what I'm doing here, but you really are.
0: Yes. I think very much not in the same way that you're doing voice coaching. But as I was describing to you before we pressed record that I was in therapy for about 17 years with the first round and I didn't have a voice when I started. I didn't know how to talk about my feelings in particular, but even about things that I felt were important to me. I just did not know how to disclose the events of my life to another person. And Fortunately, had a wonderful therapist who was incredibly patient, and I developed as an adult and as a speaker in the process, and I found my identity in the process. So I, I do believe therapy really gave me my life and mm-hmm. so grateful for that process too.
1: Well, we don't learn the things that, and I don't mean this as a, as a criticism against Ed, the education programs of the world, but there's so many We people don't learn what I teach. People don't, we don't learn how to talk to, we don't learn how to find ourselves. We don't, you know, we don't even really learn how to balance a checkbook. We can learn other things in math. And so I know that there's value in all of those things that we learn, but there's so much that we don't know how to do and I hate it when people beat themselves up because they don't know how to do it. It's like parents being parents. Oh my gosh. Who, 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 where was the class on that? <laughs> I, I needed to sign up for that one. Uh-huh. You know, well, it yeah. does not exist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think learning to be a parent is really a trip. And I agree with you that there are so many basic, really important skills that are not at all addressed in our formal schooling, and maybe we're <laughs> we have our businesses as a result, I think, but right. but it would be nice to have more focus on communication and relationships and self care and managing your time. I think those are all great, important topics to cover, yeah.
1: Yeah, and as I'm hearing you say that, I'm thinking, you know, my my core motto is everything is always working out. And maybe that's why we don't learn those things in school because maybe we couldn't maybe we couldn't grasp them. You know, somebody I was teaching a workshop on Monday and she said, "Oh my gosh, I I I wish I'd been here 20 years ago." And I said, "No, you don't, because you wouldn't have been able to hear anything I said. Mm-hmm. You're here right when you need to be here." Yeah. And maybe that is the Reason maybe we wouldn't have valued it or heard it or appreciated it, or maybe it was maybe in the moment of the depths of needing things that's the moment that we're meant to seek. Yeah,
0: I think that's powerful. I think that can be hard to accept that this is the right moment, this is your moment of power right now, instead of turning to the what if I hadn't or what if I had. Because nobody can answer those questions. No therapist, no matter how good, can answer those questions. And that's why therapy is a really powerful vehicle because you have 45 minutes and it's now, it's go time now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you get a choice of what you want to discuss. And it might be masking something, it might be really revealing something, but it's now. The work is in that container. That's why this works is that you're kind of required to show up. When I started therapy, not only did I not have a voice and not only did I not know how to talk about my feelings, I was in it three times a week. (laughs) So it was really like a comedy, (laughs) comedy (laughs) of therapy, comedy of the young woman in therapy who doesn't know about the world of therapy. But luckily the framework really worked for me. It really allowed me to feel safe to come out. And it was a coming out process. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and every it's just so in uh, in line with every voice has got to be heard. Every voice deserves to be heard. And sometimes people don't like it when I say that. And they'll go like, well, wait a minute. What about that guy? Yeah, that guy, too. <laughs> Everybody deserves to be heard. Mm-hmm. That's in and of itself its own thing. It's its own bucket. I know I'm going to have to let you go in a minute, but I I have a question and I don't know, if, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but because it's really, it's kind of a, another one of those data questions that I, that fascinate me, but is there any rhyme or reason to who procrastinates and who doesn't? Has there, have there been any studies on, okay, if you had, I know like the studies on addiction and trauma, I think are fascinating. And I'm just curious, have they, has, have, have, we, have we started researching why some people, which majority of people I think, procrastinate? But what do you have any thoughts around that? I think uh, one thing that I know about
0: myself is I'm not so much a data data mm-hmm. conscious person. I tend to go more on what I'm perceiving and reflecting on. The one thing that did stick out to me about things I've read about procrastination is that procrastination is associated with a lack of conscientiousness. And that really stuck out to me because I said, wow, that, you know, I got really kind of upset about that because everybody wants to see themselves as being conscientious. And when you think about it, it makes total sense, right? If you're going to miss deadlines, it means you're really not that conscientious about at least a time deadline. It doesn't have to mean that you're an awful person. And that's kind of what I was associating with that label. And so I've come to understand my relationship with that. And when I'm disregarding deadlines, that really is a lack of conscientiousness. And maybe if we see that and we strive to be conscientious people, people who abide by common standards, that can help us step away from the procrastination, which is really keeping us outside of the general circle because we're not abiding by standards and boundaries and expectations of the common group. So that's the one data piece that I have. and There's a, a ton more. There really has been a lot of research about it. And they. I know that it's like a majority of college students have been shown to be procrastinators. So this is a oh, large mass of people uh-huh. that
1: we're looking at. And there's a lot involved, I think. That is so fascinating. And it as you were talking about that conscientious and I'm not being conscious of other people if I don't meet my deadlines, but that to me also spoke to personal integrity. yeah, not being integral to myself. Yes. Which yes. leads to my favorite question, why?
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's where all the jewels are. That's mm-hmm. where all the answers, all the conflicts, all the stuff that has just been overwhelming to you that hasn't yet been sorted out, that is in everybody's path. So that's why you don't have to say I'm a terrible person because Mm -hmm. everyone has to work out this tangle for themselves in order to have their lives function smoothly. I think there are people who are late in life who have not gotten to address this tangle yet, but I say it's never too late. Mm -hmm. I have older people, old people older than myself who are being drawn to my work recently. And I love that because these people want to be active. They want to use their time. Well, they want to leave the next generation on a good footing. And Mm -hmm. this is all pro-life. This is all beautiful work. It's work from love. And when you love yourself, you can open up new paths for yourself. When you're feeling like you're not worth it, or you're not worthy, or you suck, the the roads tend to shut down. Mm -hmm. You
1: tend to see only barriers. Yeah. So good. Oh, I love that. So, so good. Well, this has been amazing. You are just a wealth of information on this topic (laughs) this is so good
0: well thanks for asking the wonderful and deep questions and being the rock star that you are yourself thank you
1: well thank you now so tell us what you have for us you've got a, a a resource library tell me tell us about that
0: I do. It's actually one of the oldest resources that I put together a long time ago. I just thought of the things that helped me the most and I put them all in a free resource library and uh it involves things like a 90-day planner, it's things to jot down oh, cool. your thoughts. Maybe you got inspired by our conversation today and you want to get cracking. This is the library that you want to just download to help you out to make sure you get your thoughts on paper and that you don't lose the momentum that you might be feeling right now. Uh, you can get that by going to procrastinationcoach.com
1: slash library. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes. That's why I your your website is procrastination It is.com. That's why I was thinking the podcast had the same name, but the podcast is different. Yeah. Podcast is tell us one more time, make time for success, make time for success. So I'm going to put that link in the show notes, the website link, the resource link. And then is that where you're, what are you on Instagram procrastination Procrastination coach?
0: coach. Yeah. yeah. I have okay. a lot of fun on Instagram. I feel. Like it is a place to just be yourself when you yeah. can, when you feel like it. Yeah. And I try to show up on stories frequently to just provide little tips and just stay connected with people.
1: Yeah. And you know where else I've seen you showing up and knocking it out of the park <laughs> is TikTok. We've both been there. We've doing both best. been there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't I'm no, no, I'm not getting on that. I'm not doing that. I'm never going that. But yeah. Well, wow what a great great place not even as a business owner but there's so many incredible content creators i thought it was a bunch of 17 year olds or 15 year olds and yeah. i'm sure that there there are but wow what a platform
0: it's really when you if you're not on there yet it's really overwhelming to enter into it because you it get is this this blur of images and craziness. And it really is a lot of energy there on the platform. I think energetically, it's really alive with people's spot on content with salad fixings and Mm -hmm. recipes and advice and little views into people's lives. And I think it's really fun. It's like humanity splattered
1: (laughs) on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you know, no, no, go ahead. No, you have a lot of experts on there as well. A lot of experts. Yes. And I think what I love about, you know, I am the data person and you know that I'm the researcher. Give it a rest, Tracy. We've heard all the research. (laughs) But one of the things that TikTok has driven is forced authenticity. Because people are showing up as their real self. They're showing up and they're not worried about the beautiful background and the perfect radio guy voice and all of that. And it is... In fact, that doesn't work there. And it is so wonderful.
0: It is. And I apologize about my coughing. I feel like the throat talking is catching up with me now. (laughs) And yes, TikTok is fun in that way that
1: it's really the raw uncut Mm -hmm. people showing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here with us and sharing so much of your valuable knowledge and expertise. I know. This is one to go back and listen to again. It's like a movie. You don't catch everything the first time. So this will be one you can want to go back and listen to again and again. Anything you want to leave us with or last thoughts?
0: A uh, couple of coughs maybe, but uh, just, um, just the wish that everyone listening, just move forward without fear whenever you can. Fear will come, but it is a temporary little twinge and it's to be understood and honored, but don't let it hold you back from the things that you wish for, because that list of things you wish for can get bigger and bigger and grow with your confidence. And when you put yourself out there, there really are few risks out there that are worth holding yourself back for. And there's so much to gain. So that's really the overarching message that I live by. And I try to share with people. Thank you, Tracy, so much.
1: Thank you for being here. And thank you listeners. You know how much I value you, but I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here today. Until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You
0: can reach out to her at captivatetheroom.com and be sure to grab The Voice Formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.